On today's show, it's a Locked on Heat and Locked on Celtics crossover to preview Game 1 of the Eastern Conference Finals from both angles. How will the Heat score on the Celtics' elite defense? How can the Celtics slow down Jimmy Butler? We hear from the experts and discuss the biggest storylines of the series next. You are Locked on Heat, your daily Miami Heat podcast. Part of the Locked on Podcast Network, your team every day. Welcome to a crossover edition of Locked On Heat and Locked On Celtics. I'm Wes Goldberg, editor of AllYouCanEat.com, here with my Locked On Heat co-host, David Ramil, and the host of Locked On Celtics and reporter for the Boston Sports Journal, John Corrales. However, you're tuning in, YouTube, Odyssey, or your favorite podcast app. Thanks for making the Locked On Podcast Network your first listen every day. We're getting together hours before Game 1 of the Eastern Conference Finals in Boston. Celtics hosting the Heat Wednesday night. Uh, we're going to break down this matchup from both angles. But let's start with the key storylines that are going to determine this series. John, we're going to start with you. What's the biggest thing the Celtics are talking or thinking about going into game one and uh, this series as a whole? I think the the number one thing is carrying over that that level of play from the end of game six and game seven against Philadelphia. I think it's no secret that the Celtics have been up and down when it comes to Effort and execution. I think the effort has largely been there minus, you know, a couple of spots. I think the execution has, has been lackluster from time to time. And they definitely have had already at least two games in these playoffs that you can look at and say, you blew it, right? They blew, they blew a game against the Hawks. They blew game one easily against the uh, Sixers. And so it's about coming out in game one with the same level of intensity that they had in a desperation game seven to, uh, you know, be, because you can't slack against the heat. This is the one thing that we know. We're going to disagree a lot over the next 30 minutes. No. There's there's one thing we can all agree on. The heat will make you pay if you slack, if you think you've got it at any point. So the number one thing from the Boston side is go out there, give that effort from the beginning. Helping off of James Harden is sort of like the number one thing I think about in terms of the Celtics and the late game execution in that in that semifinal round against the Sixers. Is that something that you think the Celtics learn from or you see something like that this deep into the playoffs, that high stakes of a game, that close of a game, and, and it worries you? Like, how do you where are you on that side of it? I mean, it still worries me a little bit. And Joe Mazzulla at practice on Tuesday was saying we th- we think we've learned a lot from that. Mm. And the hope is that you do whenever you make a mistake that big up to helping off of James Harden in the corner, kind of like you better learn from that. Yeah. But there are those lapses. I think the biggest issue the Celtics have, and it's always been well-meaning. It's always come from the right place, but it's the wrong idea. It's I'm going to try to make a play. I got to make a play. And that attitude of, I got to make a play is what burns the Celtics because that's when they get too deep. I expect the Heat to lure Tatum and Brown too deep into the paint and take away their outlets and force turnovers just like they did last year and just like the the Warriors did last year. That's what they're good at. Can the Celtics learn from that stuff? I am afraid of that. I I legitimately, I I said in my podcast yesterday, the Heat have a bunch of catnip that the Celtics can't resist. And I think that, that's my biggest my biggest worry in this series 
is that they're going to throw that out there and that execution, those lapses in the name of making a play will, will be a little too frequent. What's the smelliest? I don't know how catnip works. Is it smell? I don't, the most potent catnip. What is it? The most potent catnip that the heat have that you're worried about. It's, it's luring guys into ISO when they go mismatch hunting Mm -hmm. because the heat have a bunch of guys that they can throw out there and say, Go ahead, yo, Kevin Love. Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, go ahead. We'll we'll let you we'll let you pick on Kevin Love, and then what'll happen is Tatum will blow by Kevin Love on the pick and roll, get down somewhere on the block area. Bam out of bio will shift over late. Someone will will help on top of that. Love will go catch the other guy who's been helping, uh, who who helped, and Tatum will turn around and be stuck with the baseline as a defender. Bam out of bio on one side, a help defender on another, and just active hands. And that's that's the number one thing. Live ball turnovers will kill the Celtics if they're not careful. Yeah, we saw that last year uh, in the Eastern Conference Finals. Jalen Brown, specifically, I think about him, letting him get into those ISO spots, drive to the lane, get him at three or four dribbles. Next thing you know, that ball's a little loose. Yep. And now they're picking at it, right? Now you got quick hands from Victor Oladipo, who's not involved in this series, or Kyle Lowry, Jimmy Butler, or Caleb Martin. And then they're out and running. And I know for the Heat, that's a big focus of them. And for any matchup, any game, any series is creating those live ball turnovers so they can get out on the break. David, when you think about the Miami Heat going into this series, what is it um, that you think is the biggest storyline, the biggest thing that they're thinking or talking about going into this series? Well, they're not thinking about it or talking about it, but I know the fans are, and that's Jimmy Butler's status uh, regarding how healthy he may or may not be. We didn't get much of an update from him at practice today, but I assume that he's going to be playing throughout the series unless things get progressively worse. He's probably not going to be at 100% at any point throughout the rest of the postseason, and we have yet to see which version of Jimmy Butler we're going to get, whether or not it's the version we saw against the Milwaukee Bucks or a lesser version that we saw against the New York Knicks that was still largely effective. So I I think you know, his status and whether or not how close he is to full strength it determines a lot of Miami's chances at success in the series. Cause I think, you know, we've seen Jimmy Butler be as dangerous a player as there is in the NBA. He certainly has been effective, let's say against the Boston Celtics in the past. So I, I think that's a large concern, but other than that, I, I would just say it's minimizing those mismatches and trying to find a way to maximize their depth as much as it is. Cause I know that doesn't have the same kind of big name talent perhaps as the Celtics do, but finding who is going to be that contributor, who's going to be able to step up in terms of either something defensive or finding a way to be productive. Generating points seems to be a point of concern, and rightfully so for a Heat team that struggled against the New York Knicks. But maybe that was largely due to the Knicks' style of defense and things of that sort and just slowing things down in general over the course of that series. So I think those are the two points of emphasis is Jimmy's health and then how they generate offense with or without Jimmy on the floor. Yeah, you're right. They're not talking about the health of Jimmy Butler. Jimmy Butler, every time asked about it, I'm fine, I'm fine. And then we see him in the locker room, limping around the locker room, and you're like, he doesn't look like totally fine. Um, I know what they are not limp in the locker room, though. How about that? I I know what they are talking about is how are they going to score against Boston's defense, ball movement, and three-point shooting, making those threes. I know we're going to talk about specifics uh, of when they heat on offense, but I I just know that that's a key storyline going into this game, is that three-point shooting going to be like it was against Milwaukee or something closer to that where they made 45% of their threes? Or is it going to be like that Knicks series where everybody kind of went back into a regular season-style rut and they shot 30% from three-point range? They all know. 
to a man and they're saying it out loud, we got to make more threes in this series. They know they, they, there's no way for them to win if they're going to shoot 30% in this series. Quickly, I want to just touch on this because I need to get another storyline for both sides is who's going to start. We saw the Celtics go with the double big lineup uh, at the end of that Sixers series, John. Are they going to stick with that or are they yes. going to go back to the three guard lineup? No, they're still said they would. Yeah. 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 Mazzilla Mazzilla said said earlier today. Said yep. He said yeah. they're going to do it. And that's the smart way to go about it. Having Robert Williams out there as a starter. I mean, he, I'm sure you guys have seen the quotes from the Celtics after that, that change in game six yeah. against Philly, but it's how comfortable there, they were. Yeah. Yeah. Being there, listening to the guys talk about it is it takes the quotes to another level. They, love playing with Robert Williams mm -hmm. and the comfort level on the perimeter is just significantly higher. And look, we're talking about moving Derek white an all defensive team player to the bench, but it's because they know they can, they can press up on these perimeter guys. You're going to put a lot of pressure on Gabe Vincent, Max Struess, you know, Jimmy Butler, you're going to get up into his airspace and, you know that if he blows by you, and we know because in the rules to, of today's NBA, they're going to be blow-bys on the perimeter. Having Rob back there as a deterrent just to say, Robert Williams is there. Mm -hmm. We see it time and time again. Guys get into the paint. He's there. And you say, you know what? Nope, I'm going to kick this out. My rim read is drive and kick. And that just allows that little extra beat, that little extra chance to recover. And the guys just feel more comfortable defending with him back there knowing that he can help them out so and then offensively just that lob threat I think we saw one of the things we saw in game seven early on before Tatum went off from the three is that when Tatum started attacking Joel Embiid and Joel Embiid and Joel stepped up to Tatum Rob was there for a couple of lobs and that just changed the entire dynamic of things so he is he is Boston's ultimate like security blanket well who are the heat gonna start now that we know what the Celtics starting lineup is. How long do both teams stick with these starting lineups? We're going to talk about that next. But first, today's episode, a crossover episode of Locked on Heat and Locked on Celtics is brought to you by our friends over at Bird Dogs. I look better and I feel great wearing Bird Dogs. Their stretchy fabric makes my legs look great and they're comfier than my other shorts and pants. They give me the freedom to wear one pair of shorts on the golf course, to a meeting, at the pool, on a date, or hanging out with friends. Uh, I can tell you I was wearing them this past weekend out by the pool, seeing some sunshine. John, sunshine. Sun is like that thing in the sky. You guys we don't have that. Now. We have that now. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> oh, yeah that's right. May. It's May. You yeah, guys are just. We, it's it's just <laughs> shown up. Just got here. Just got here. Yeah, yeah. Um, so get yourself a pair of bird dogs. Uh, thighs out. Get a nice little tan there. Uh, I jump in the pool. I do my thing. Cool off. Jump back out. They dry because of the fabric. And I don't even have to change my shorts for the rest of the day. Um, so go to birddogs.com slash locked on NBA. And when you enter the promo code locked on NBA, they're going to throw in a free custom bird dogs, Yeti style tumbler with every order. That's bird dogs, proud partner of locked on podcast network. Thanks for making the locked on podcast network. Your first listen every day, both locked on Heat, locked on Celtics. will be back after game one with a recap of the game. So make sure you are subscribed. Um, before we get to what it is that both of these teams are watching for when they're on offense, um, David, we mentioned that the Celtics are going to stick with that double big lineup, Robert Williams, Al Horford in the front court. I would imagine then that 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 means that the Heat are going to stick with Kevin Love and Bam Adebayo in the front court, right? 
Yeah, I think so. Uh, we saw that against the Knicks with Julius Randle and Mitchell Robinson out there that they, they kept love in that starting lineup. So I, I think it's just I'm not sure if it's a matter of comfort to the same degree as it is with the Celtics. But right now, they like what love presents in terms of his offense and his passing and at least the threat of him shooting from three point range. So I think they're just more comfortable with that. And we know that he's got a pretty quick hook. He plays in the first and the third, and he probably doesn't yep. see much action at any other point throughout the game. So he's just another threat that you could put, you know, again, potentially put out there to start, see how it goes. Uh, if he's able to engage from three and if he's knocking those shots down, then you leave him out there a little bit longer, but it, it just, He's going to get his minutes, but so is Caleb Martin. He's going to get a significant amount of playing time. Yeah, like you said, he's kind of like that six-minute starter. You know, you've seen those across the league. Um, I, I'm curious to see how much – because we know John, Joe Mazzullo likes to go smaller, right? That, that's kind of mm-hmm. his natural, you know, comfort zone. And, and Eric Spolstra, he likes to go Caleb Martin at the end of games at that four spot. He likes to go small, a little bit more versatile defensively. I'm really intrigued to see – how much both of these teams play their smaller lineups in this series and how they yeah. try to find advantages by timing out, you know, what pocket of the game are we going to go small? When, how long are we going to stay big? Um, and all that kind of stuff. I think that's, that's fascinating. John, anything else on that before we move on? Yeah, no, I, I expect Derek white to, to get a lot of run here in, you know, off the bench. This is, we've seen Missoula go just seven deep, but he hasn't used Grant Williams. I don't know if he's going to maybe even, Considering the amount of zone that the the Heat use, if he's even going to dust off like a Sam Hauser for two, three minutes, which he did do against the Sixers when they went zone earlier in the series, you, if, if the shooting isn't there and the Celtics are having one of those 27% shooting nights and the zone just lasts a little bit longer than most zones should in the NBA, they he can stretch that, that lineup out a little bit. So... I, I can still see the Boston depth being used uh, a little bit more than than it has been. And to that point, what are you watching for when the Celtics are on offense, especially in game one, kind of those first like five, six, seven minutes uh, when you kind of get a feel for the series in the game? Yeah, I mean, I, I obviously I want to see the ball movement. I want to see the Celtics not go matchup hunting right away. There's so many opportunities to to put pressure on a defense that has – an attackable guy without just making it a pick and roll and just go at the guy because Miami is expecting that. And they're, they're going to have help behind that zone or no zone. Mm -hmm. So I I just want to see the Celtics play with that pace. And to me, the number one way you fight the zone, you fight that Miami defense, which I think is going to be how they would win this series is to force the miss force turnovers if you can and run and don't even let them get set up. I think the Celtics have a strong possibility offensively to string runs together by forcing the misses, by playing disciplined defense and getting out there and running and putting eight to 10 to 10, four kind of runs together and then forcing Miami to just figure out a way to score because that's the one thing I don't think Miami can do is score in bunches consistently enough to win four games in the series. David, what do you think? What are you watching when the Miami Heat are well, offense? Do you think that they can score in bunches? Do you think that yeah. there's an opportunity there? Absolutely. I mean, we've seen it. Uh, we've seen it against the Bucks. We saw it against the Knicks. Uh, and they, they, they've come back from large deficits throughout the playoffs. Uh, I think it's just been a, a factor in, in kind of, you know, who this team is. Is that it, You never count them out because – 
I don't know. I don't know if it's just the inspiration. Look, John, I mean, just for your, your Celtics fans, you know, we know that this was a bad team. We, we've been very consistent in criticizing this group during the regular season. But what we've seen over the past 11 games of the postseason, you can go back to the, the last quarter of the play-in game against the Chicago Bulls. This is a completely different group here. I, I don't know if it's just a matter of Jimmy Butler suddenly caring and understanding that what was at stake here, uh, his play has been great. I think he's been one of the best players in the playoffs, if not the best player in the playoffs. I think that's pretty largely agreed on. So I, I think they can generate those points. They will be able to. So and so to you know to echo what you said, I think ball movement for this Miami group is certainly going to be a factor. It was against the Knicks when you have a rim protector like Rob Williams. There was a lot of driving and attacking, passing around the rims for creating second chance opportunities there around the basket. I think that's going to be another factor here. In that respect, Kevin Love was a really big help because he was such a good rebounder, uh, boxing out guys like Robinson and Randall and others. So I think he's going to be a factor, but he's also going to be out on the perimeter knocking down those threes. And that's going to be a huge factor. It's going to be, you know, we know what Jimmy and Bam can do. But it's guys like Vincent Struess and Love and when and how frequently and consistently they'll be able to contribute, particularly from three-point range, that I think is going to be a huge factor. But, Wes, I was curious because John's talking a lot about the zone. We didn't see it much against the Knicks except for that game, too, that Jimmy missed. Do you think that they'll go more heavily into zone defense in that? Because I'm not sure if that's advisable against the Celtics. I think we see a lot more zone when they actually take Tatum or Brown off the floor. and Maybe it's only one of them as opposed to two of them. Uh, to kind of try to force those Boston role players to beat them and make shots, you know, especially if somebody like Hauser is out there, mm-hmm. right? I think you see that maybe when Al Horford is out there as opposed to Robert Williams as the lone big. Um, maybe you see it a little bit more, again, force Al Horford to make those shots from the perimeter. Um, I, but they they tend to sprinkle it in. We're not going to see a lot of zone like we saw earlier in the season. If they're healthy, the Heat prefer to just switch, play man-to-man, do their other schemes on defense but we're going to see it like we're definitely going to see it a little bit as more of i think a change of pace thing in terms of whether or not he could score in bunches in this series they'll have opportunities to score i i do question whether or not they're going to make shots like i said if they're shooting like they shot against the knicks they're not going to score in bunches they're just not because they got to make those shots i'm really interested to see how the celtics go about defending jimmy and bam out of bio and how much it is that they're going to crowd the paint and pinch and dare miami shooters to beat them Versus how much they're going to actually going to close out on the shooters and not even risk them kind of getting into a getting on catching fire, you know, like getting hot from three point range. That to me is uh, something I'm interested to see in the very beginning stages of this first game is are the Celtics going to even risk those guys getting hot or are they going to just try to like put them out right away? I think I'm very worried about the Celtics defense if I'm the Miami Heat. Philadelphia had the third rate rated offense in the regular season. They were scoring 117 points a game. Against the Celtics, they scored 107.9 points a game in that series. Almost 10 points per 100 possessions fewer. Miami was 25th in the regular season in offensive rating. That's up to 112, 112 points per 100 possessions. That's up to 115 points per 100 possessions, which is like top 10-ish in the NBA. Um, But they got to make shots in order to maintain that efficiency. And Boston's defense is better than Milwaukee's. It's certainly better than New York's. Uh, they've got a lot of bodies, a lot of length. I think they're going to be able to generate those opportunities. It's what kind of opportunities? Is it Jimmy and Bam in the lane? Is it Max Struess and Caleb Martin being forced to make uh, uh, open jumpers? And ha- can they convert on those jumpers when they do get those opportunities? That's the biggest question I have when the Heat are on offense. I know it's going to be – it sounds dangerous because he's Jimmy Butler. But to me, it's 
dare Jimmy to beat you over and over and over and over again. And look, I come at this with the ultimate respect for Jimmy Butler and the ultimate respect as much as people might hate me on your side of the podcast. (laughs) uh, I'm coming out of a series where I did not respect the Sixers at all. I have zero respect for the Sixers as a franchise. I have ultimate both fan bases can agree on. (laughs) Yeah, I get the ultimate respect for Miami for getting here. The way you got here, it's, it's just amazing. We, you know, Hero's out, Oladipo's out, and still. So I respect it. But the key is Jimmy Jimmy can drop 50. He can average 50 for the series. It's about shutting – it is about shutting the rest of the guys down. If if Bam gets going and is catching alley-oops and hitting those mid-range jumpers and you're getting a couple of threes from Struess and you're getting a couple of threes from, you know, Kevin Love and Kyle Lowry, now, now you're screwed. Now the Celtics are screwed. But yeah. Jimmy – on a bum ankle, and you're going to say, go ahead, play your 42 minutes a game, play your 45 minutes a game, your, whatever the hell it is, go ahead, go off. But no one else. Hold everybody else to less than 50. Jimmy can score 50. Celtics are cool with it. Yeah. David, we saw the Milwaukee Bucks do that in the first round, right? They put Drew Holiday on. I mean, great defenders. Jimmy went to work. The other part of that, though, that kind of gets left out of that conversation is that Miami shot 45% also. In that series, yeah. like if Miami's shooters shoot like they did against the Knicks, I don't know that the Heat win that series, right? Like we have no idea. So yeah. I, I I think it's it's really interesting what John is saying in terms of all right, let Jimmy Butler get his, let him play in space, um, but they're just not going to let the the collective of Max Struess, Gabe Vincent, Caleb Martin beat them. What do you think about that? No, I, I think it's a, a valid point, but uh, I, you know, uh, overlooking what he does aside from his scoring, which has been so prolific during the postseason, is that he's a hell of a playmaker. So we've seen him kind of pick and choose his spots as to when he's going to turn on the scoring, when he's going to be more of a playmaker, drawing doubles, kicking it out to those open shooters. So I, I think there are options for Miami if if they are going to be comfortable letting Jimmy score. He'll score, and if they bring the double eventually, he'll kick it out to a wide-open shooter, and then it's a matter of whether or not they convert. So that's the big X factor, too, is you you don't know. I don't think there's any way of predicting exactly how productive Miami's shooters are going to be, but they they need to step up. I I mean, I I don't think I'm I'm breaking any news here and saying (laughs) that they need to be a little bit more productive from three-point range. So I, I expect... That it'll be closer to what we saw against the Bucks. I just think that they'll have they'll have those opportunities because they'll be focused on Jimmy so intently. Because I think he is going to be healthier than the version that we saw against the Knicks too. Because that was that slowed things down a little bit. Um, you know, he wasn't attacking as aggressively, but he was still drawing those doubles, kicking it out, and it led to a lot of missed wide open shots too. So we'll see how that pans out against Boston. Just like the. The Celtics have their hands full with Jimmy Butler. The Heat are going to have their hands full with Hmm. Jason Tatum. How can the Heat slow down Jason Tatum? We're going to talk about that next here on our crossover episode of Locked on Heat and Locked on Celtics. Thanks for making the Locked on Podcast Network your first listen every day. Every day or as both shows will be back tonight with a recap of game one. Um, John, what are you watching for when the Celtics are on defense? I know we've already talked about Jimmy Butler and slowing him down. Is there anything else there before we get to the heat part of this? Yeah, I mean, defensively, it's about just it's the connectivity. It's the help and the recover. It's it's understanding how they're switching, when they're switching. Um, Are they switching one through five? Are they switching one through three? Are they, they like those types of things? have kind of like led to some miscommunications along the way sometimes. Um, and, and the, 
defending without fouling, which they, they struggled with a little bit. And, and you know, look, you're going against James Harden. You're going against Joel Embiid, two of the uh, elite foul drawers of the uh, NBA. You're going to foul sometimes. But the Celtics sometimes played just even undisciplined basketball. If they if they can defend without fouling excessively, then that's going to lead, I think, to some frustration. Um, not that Jimmy Butler's a big, like, get frustrated, let the refs get in his head type of thing. I think that's more yeah. Jason Tatum's thing, actually. But, you know, any player can get frustrated when he thinks he gets fouled. When, if, yeah. and if, if Butler is not 100% and he's not getting to the spots that he normally would, a great way to still score your 30 is to say, okay, he's, he's so good at drawing fouls. I'm going to get this guy here. And I know if I do X, Y, Z, I'm going to get a call from the refs. And if the Celtics can understand that, keep their hands back. And Jimmy is maybe not trying to score in a play. He's trying to draw a foul. And maybe that leads to some misses and to some frustration. The Celtics can run out off of that stuff. That's the type of thing that I'm looking for. And obviously, like I said before, stay home on the shooters. I, I don't think like, uh, under normal circumstances, with the Celtics playing their normal defense, I don't think Miami's going to be able to, to hit the shots at the level that they need to. But if the Celtics are undisciplined, if they are overhelping, then it's very easy to see Caleb Martin, Gabe Vincent, Max Struess start getting going. It's not about uh, letting them shoot. It's about if they hit some shots, you gotta you gotta accept it, but you yeah. gotta you gotta be up in their face. You gotta challenge these things. You can't it, you can't get too caught up in the Jimmy Butler show if he's putting one on. That yeah. is fine, like I said. Can, yeah, can, the can they get? Is, Ro- go ahead. Sorry, I was just gonna say, can can they get Robert Williams into foul trouble? Because I we saw that with Mitchell Robinson. I'm not making an exact you know, apples to apples comparison between the two players, and and Robinson was limited theoretically by some kind of an injury there. But do you think they can get Williams into foul trouble? And how does that change how the Celtics uh, defend Miami if he's not available? Yeah, I mean, he's he's very prone to he, – he, one thing we say is he loves to jump. And so I would expect that to be in the scouting report. You're going to see a steady diet of, of pump fakes from Jimmy and Bambo. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Okay. If they're switching one through five, that's the risk. You put – I trust Robert Williams to switch on to Jimmy Butler – for five seconds and challenge a shot and all of that stuff. But I also would not be shocked if Butler's like, okay, I know what I got in front of me. I'm going to drive. I'm going to stop. I'm going to fake. And then here he goes, lean in, boom, foul. And and that's, that's something that's very, very possible. He's not going to foul. Like, I don't think he's going to get a lot of cheap fouls, mm-hmm. but he's prone. He's prone to the up fakes. And I think everybody knows it. So yes, that, and if he, and if he does, have to get out uh, then you know you, you have the possibility of going with uh grant williams on bam they always battle and and that could be a matchup that you you lean on if kevin loves on the floor you could put uh horford on love and grant on and on Adebayo, and it's it's a different type of defense and mm-hmm. and it might force Adebayo into a few more jumpers but he's physical, and they, they always go at each other. They've got a long history together. So that that's where yeah. I would expect it to go. Um, that discipline that you're talking about, it's on every scouting report for every team. Every time they play, face Jimmy Butler in the Miami Heat, he puts that ball out there on those pump fakes. And it's not just the defender who's in front of him. It's the defenders 
around the play too. When he puts that ball out, a lot of like teammates kind of feel that inclination to maybe just kind of get a hand in there. Maybe I can knock that away. Yeah. And Jimmy is so strong with those hands that like you just don't like he just doesn't that ball just does not get knocked away. And if you've got some help defenders coming in to try to get a cheap one, right? Then all of a sudden, like Jimmy's really good at just being okay, cool. That guy's helping off. Let me whip it to Caleb Martin in the corner. Boom, open three. Uh, so I'm like that is a huge thing when no matter who you are playing the the, the Miami Heat. Um, in terms of and and that it's a great point because if Jimmy is limited, he is going to try to get to the foul line. That's what he does. We've seen it over and over and over again. Um, and and that discipline is going to be key for the Celtics uh, in this series. But um, in terms of when Miami is on defense, I'm looking at the same exact thing on the other side. How are you going to dis- uh, defend Jason Tatum? Tatum, when you talk about scoring in bunches, he could do it by himself, man. Like that guy will just shoot uh, four times in a row, make four straight shots, and next thing you know, it's like a 12-0 run, and and what was a tight game is now a blowout, right? Like Tatum is that kind of guy on offense. Um, and I, I don't know that the Heat have a great option to guard him if they're going to go with this double big lineup with Bam Adebayo and Kevin Love, David, you and I talked about this a couple episodes ago and you brought up maybe having Bam guard Jason Tatum. And I think it was a really good call by you. This is kind of what I'm looking at. Maybe being the, the matchups, you got Gabe on Marcus smart. That makes sense. Jimmy Butler on Jalen Brown. That's typically who he'll pick up to begin games. Kevin Love on Robert Williams, Max Drews on Al Horford, which the heat have done in the past. They're kind of good with that. We saw them do this in the conference finals last year. We saw Struis on Brooke Lopez in the first round. They're pretty much good with that. And then Bam on Jason Tatum. And Bam at practice on Monday said, hey, if you need me to guard Tatum, I'll do it. Um, what do you think about that in terms of a strategy, at least to start games on, on Tatum? I think it makes a lot of sense. I mean, you've got – you try to get keep Bam from getting into foul trouble, similar to what we were yeah. just talking about Williams because that's a huge concern. Without him, then Miami's chances are, <laughs> well, close to zero then – but I think he he has the speed. I saw a lot of Celtics fans when I made that comment a couple of days ago, or was it yesterday? They they were still they they thought Bam couldn't handle that matchup. It's not to say he's going to have a hundred percent success because Tatum is a pretty solid scorer. But I think he's more than capable of handling that switch. He can guard point guards. He can guard shooters like Steph Curry. We've seen him do that. He can guard you know versatile wings like LeBron, Tatum, and others. So I don't think there's any concern if he has any kind of defensive problems whatsoever. It's usually with much bigger centers like a Jokic or an Embiid, but even that, I think he can really challenge and get into Embiid a little bit physically, uh, just try and keep him from being getting uh-huh. too comfortable. So I, I like the defensive matchup if Bam is on to Tatum. And my my thought process there is also that if you can, if Tatum sees that and he feels like it's time for me to take over, I want to engage Bam, I want to attack him then you know he's going to be so single-minded in that pursuit of the bucket that he he looks off the teammates, he looks off the guys that might be open, and you can get help from Struess, who's, you know, he'll help off of, of uh, Horford, you, you know, whoever's out there sharing the floor at the time. I think you can wind up doubling, forcing the turnover, and that leads to igniting some offense on fast-break opportunities for Miami. So I, well, I think you, that's and, a And, a and to trade. John's point earlier, like, does, does Tatum look at Bam and say, you know what, I actually don't want any part of this? Let me start- right. Hunting for the switch, try to get right. Struess dragged into the action with a screen with right. Horford. Like that's the obvious thing. John, what do you think about the idea of Bam guarding Tatum? Yeah, I think I think it's it makes makes some sense. I, I kind of almost expect a box and one with with Bam on Tatum sometimes, just to to still protect the rim. Because um, Tatum Tatum can get by Bam. Well, Bam can you know certainly stay in front of Tatum, you know, a lot. Uh, 
but I, I, I would say that Tatum is a really good playmaker himself. Mm-hmm. And if you're going to, if you're going to bring Bam and, and Tatum can get by him, then you're going to have to start sending the help. And then that's where things are going to break down for Miami. And I think one thing to watch for is Tatum against the big, any big. When when you're guarding that guy and you know he's a threat to get to the rim, that hard drive causes a little bit of an overreaction, a little bit of a turning of the hips. And that's where Tatum hits you with the step back. And I wouldn't be surprised if Tatum drives a couple of times, drives and kicks, just lets Bam know, I can get by you. And really makes a concerted effort to say, I can get by you. Even if he doesn't score. Then, next thing you know, step back three, step back three, sidestep three. And it, it just to get him off balance. So, yeah, the length, the strength is something that can bother Tatum. But it's also you can something that Tatum has learned how to use that against a big who's defending him. That uh, he if, if Tatum's got that shot working, if he hits that first step back three, you are in trouble because if he's feeling it, He's he's still a, a confidence player. If he's feeling it early, you you could get a fifty piece on you real fast. Yeah, I, I I know we're talking about all these kinds of different matchups. And by the way, we don't know that Bam is going to start on Jason Tatum. It was just sort of something floating out there because the other option is they could put Gabe Vincent on Jason Tatum to start the games. They could switch up the matchups and say, you know what, Jimmy, it's on you to start these games. We'll try to we'll try to get you a breather maybe later on when we get to some different alignments. Um, I I don't really know what it is the Heat do. If, if they're going to start Bam and Kevin Love, which is why their starting lineup feels a little bit shakier to me than Boston's starting lineup. It just feels like they don't have as many defensive options because you're a little worried about Kevin Love and Max Drews getting on an island. And if it is Bam on Tatum, I don't love it. It might be the best option, but you're also taking Bam away from the basket, right? And you're opening up those driving lanes behind him. If Tatum's trying to get to that three-point shot and that step back, then Bam's guarding him all the way out on the perimeter. And now you got Jalen Brown cutting. You got Marcus Smart, who's a smart cutter cutting. You got obviously Robert Williams and that lob threat. So I, I don't know what the best option is for Miami. And I and I kind of just like I'm going into the series just kind of like thinking when is it that Eric Spolstra ends up switching up the starting lineup? Because I don't. I feel like to me it's an it's a question of when and not really if. David, do you do you agree with me on that? Yeah, I. I just don't know uh, at what point that is either. Like, right. And it would be Caleb Martin, just to be clear. Yes. It'd be probably Caleb yeah, Martin being moved in for Kevin Love. Yeah. That's, that's the only alter. I mean, I could see maybe Lowry getting some minutes as a starter, but I don't, I, I think he's comfortable bringing him off right. the bench. And stylistically, and that's not changing a whole lot. Yeah. So I, I would say it's Caleb coming in there as another wing defender. That's really your only alternative. Like, I mean, Cody Zeller's not an option. There really isn't anybody else in the bench. Haywood Highsmith, I've seen some people flip that around as a maybe pretty for solid like, defender. Maybe yeah, he'll get his, of a game, but he's not going to yeah. start. And that would be no. the idea is you start Caleb, he picks up Tatum, Jimmy's on Brown, Gabe's on, and it just the matchups are a lot, a lot cleaner. You're not cross-matching positions and all these different things that you start worrying about. And you're able to have Bam maybe just play his position and, and be by the basket. Because the other thing, too, is you need him as a rebounder. No doubt. Uh, that's why uh, loves rebounding and three point shooting are huge factors. And that might be a lot to ask, but I mean, uh, this is why they brought him here. You know, as old as he is, I think he can still provide some kind of uh, contribution and they're expecting a, a pretty big one from him. I Go still ahead. think that taking, I know everybody wants to take the ball out of Tatum's hands. You got the other guys on the floor can all 
drive it. The other yep. the other perimeters guys, Jalen will drive it. And if if there's no Bam out of bio there for Jalen Brown once he gets the ball, mm-hmm. then then that's going to be dangerous. Um, Marcus Smart can drive it. And in fact, I would expect if if Adebayo's on Tatum, I would expect them to actually try to bait Miami into helping off of Smart. So you can kick it over to Smart and then he can drive it and lob it to to Rob. So um they might say, Yeah, we're gonna let we're gonna let Marcus Smart just take it and shoot all the threes. And he'll shoot some of those threes for sure. And if he's hitting it, then forget it because you know. Mark getting extra three point shooting for Marcus Smart is a, a way to change a series, but yeah, he'll drive it, he'll drive it, and he'll kick it. And I think he understands this year more than any that this is the strategy. So you can say, Oh, I took what the defense gave me, but also this is what the defense wants. So I'm not going to just settle for this three, I'm going to drive it knowing that Adebayo isn't there, and I'm just going to get my layups and fouls. And if they want to come up and attack me. I got Rob on that baseline. So that's going to be that's going to be a tough tough decision for for Miami, which is why I keep going back to the zone because it's just the cleanest even if it's a box on one. It's the cleanest way to keep some help at the rim while trying to take the ball away from the most dangerous guy on the floor. This is going to be a fascinating series. Uh, the matchups are fascinating. The history is fascinating. We were talking before we started recording. We're, like we've, this has been the conference finals three out of the last four years. We're not even sick of it. We're not sick of each other. Yeah. Uh, this is this is so uh, interesting. I, I, I have that. a feeling that somebody yeah. here might be sick of me. I don't know about that. No. <laughs> <laughs> that might be overstating things. Just you will time. be after my prediction. Yeah, I know. I can. You want to do? I wasn't even going to ask predictions, John. You I've already heard it. You want to avoid I've already it? heard it. I, I already know what you said on, on no, the previous I, podcast. I, I've. Um, I know you hedged a little bit there, but uh, the comment. So, I wouldn't be surprised at a heat, a Celtic sweep. That's uh, that's what really the, stood out. The today. only, the only, the only result that would actually outright surprise me would be an easy win for the the Heat. Every other result, I think, is possible. I, I just don't think the Heat are going to come in here and sweep or win in five. Like that's, I, I think that's something that you look at and like, even, no matter how good Jimmy Butler is, the Celtics are good enough to at least take this to six or seven games if Miami's going to win. Yeah. And the way I've been putting it to share it with the Heat people, you got to win four games in a series. So it's still po- it's possible that Spo can coach them to a win, yeah. that Butler can shoot them to a win, that Bam Adebayo can defend you to a win. And that you can get an outlier shooting game from these guys. That's four ways to win. And I haven't even factored in the Celtics kind of screwing up a game and giving you a win. So to say that I I think the Celtics are winning the series outright is wrong. I think I've I've outlined five different ways that the Heat can win. If you win four of those ways in a series, you're going to win the series. So, but if the Celtics get that game seven effort, then the Celtics will win this series easily. That game seven Celtics against the Sixers. And I'm not saying, yeah, of course, if Tatum scores 51, but it's not, it's not about that him scoring 51. It's about the way everybody was playing. Right. I'm looking at the FanDuel odds and I know the heat and do not care about odds and the heat do not care about matchups on paper, but the current odds are heat plus 1500 and the yep. Celtics minus one Oh five. Celtics this is the favorite as, overall. Yeah. This is as as big a disparity as we've seen in a conference finals, maybe I don't even know, maybe ever pretty close. 
Yeah, I, I would. Think, put, I think uh, the Cavs had one uh, during their run with LeBron. But yeah, to your point, it, it, it's a huge. If you ask Vegas, these teams are not even close. Um, David, you can you can give me the 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 Miami Heat side of things if you want. Uh, how is it? Uh, he kind of John already laid out how it is that the Celtics win this series uh, quickly. How how did the Heat? How did the Heat pull this one off? It's uh, I, I think. I don't know. I don't know. I mean, we, we can we can diagram it and break it down. And honestly, I, I'm looking at this team and, and I know it's a, a weak. I'm sorry. Out. You give me John just gave me like a confident. I feel good about the Celtics. And I ask you and you oh. just say, I don't know. No, 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 no. I, I, I well, I, I, do you? Because I don't think I don't think there is a clear path. Like, I mean, I know he's delineated the ways of, of victory. You know, you're breaking it down into simple terms of a Jimmy game, a Bam game, a Spo game. No, you get, yeah, those you are get all possibilities. Jimmy games and you get but two Celtics. They just throw a lot of crap on the wall games. and it comes out working out. That's what, that's what they, we've seen. They did it against the Bucks. They did it against the Knicks. They adapt. They change. They will themselves to a victory. I don't know. We're talking in platitudes here that are unquantifiable and yet prove to be successful. Like, for all the talk about – the Celtics being a better team and tweaking their roster and bringing in Brogdon and they're so much better. And yet here they are with the eighth seed that lost a key player, PJ Tucker, and is missing two key players for the rotation, including a starter and Tyler Harris. So I, I and everybody else can predict anything we want to. And I don't think there's any way of really labeling or, or predicting accurately how Miami can get to a win, but I I'll make my prediction. Anyway, it's heat and six. What was that? Bill Russell's number number six. Was it? Yeah, was indeed everybody's wearing it uh very cool that john gets to record his podcast from the celtics training facility um yeah give me the keys i'm just hanging out here you get a little stand-up area that's awesome that person right there in the corner has been staying very still for the whole podcast it's amazing he's like i'm not gonna move oh god they got me Thanks again for making Locked on Heat and Locked on Celtics your first listen every day. Every day is we're going to be back tonight with a recap of game one. So make sure that you're subscribed on YouTube and your favorite podcast app to Locked on Heat and Locked on Celtics for this uh, Eastern Conference Finals. It's going to be a lot of fun. Everybody, we'll talk again soon.